We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, there are places in the world where it's always winter, but never Christmas. And it's massively risky to take the gospel to these places. But then it was massively risky for Jesus to leave his home to rescue us. Enoch and Shimon arrived at an Islamic village at night. With no moon, all they could see were faint outlines of buildings and trees. They started playing music to draw people to a film about Jesus, but not a single person came. Something wasn't right. It was too quiet. Then they heard it. Bushes rustling, crackling of branches. Twelve Islamic extremists were running at them, waving machetes and screaming, Kill the infidels! Enoch and Shimon ran for their jeep, jumped in, and took off. For almost a year, they could not stop thinking about these people who needed to hear the gospel. Lord, what should we do? Then one night, Enoch said, God is speaking to me that it's time to go back. They knew the risk was massive, but they believed Jesus had given them the green light. You know, it's really important to get the green light from Jesus. Yeah. Especially on stuff like this, but really in everything when we need to make a a decision, an important decision. So they headed back in their Jeep with the film about Jesus and three boxes of Bibles. They came to a police checkpoint. The officer asked, where are you going? Where are you going? Trying to be vague, they said, we're headed south. He said, so am I. Can you give me a ride? There was no way they could say no. (laughs) Then it got worse. The officer climbed to the back of the Jeep and sat on the boxes of Bibles. If he looked in them, he could have been, he could have arrested them because they were in a place in the world where it's not legal to share the gospel. Then they came to another police checkpoint. The officer popped his head out of the back of the Jeep and said, I'm with them. You don't need to search us. Mm. So the police waved them through. Wow. Yeah. Three more police checkpoints and three more times he got them through. Wow. By now, they knew the Lord was up to something. I love watching for those signposts Mm -hmm. of God at work. The officer asked Enoch and Shimon, what's your destination? The village of Shandon. That's my village, he said. (laughs) When they came to the officer's home, he said, come in for tea, my friends. Again, how could they say no? Inside, he asked, why have you come to Shandon? We've come to show a film about the great prophet, Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah. Having experienced their kindness, the officer asked, what do you need? Hmm. Enoch said, we need permission. That's no problem. My brother is the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) And where do you want to show the film? Can we use the town square, they asked. The officer said, We have some extremists here, so I'm going to have my police force guard you as you show the film. Oh, my lands. Yeah. Isn't this sweet how God works? Enoch and Shimon set up the equipment. Once again, darkness fell. Like before, they played music to draw the people. This time a crowd came, sat down and watched the film. For the first time in their lives, they learned who Jesus really is. The Holy Spirit proved to their hearts 
that Jesus is not just a great prophet, but the word of God who became a human being to rescue us from sin and death. And that night, my friend, 167 Muslims Mm -hmm. came to Jesus, gave their lives over to Jesus. Only God can do stuff like this. I mean, come on. That is awesome. God's love for people who have not encountered him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, we need to catch that. We need to catch it. These guys had it already, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just think about Jesus risking everything to come find me and you and rescue us. Mm -hmm. And then I think about Enoch and Shimon risking their lives, being just like Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, leaving safety, leaving comfort, which is exactly what Jesus did, left the safety and comfort of his fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, with the Father and the Spirit, and came into the danger zone. And Enoch and Shimon did that as well. And so I ask myself, you know, I wrestle with this myself. What risk is Jesus asking me to take for his kingdom? And I just want to wrestle with that. And I hope you can wrestle with that as well. When we think about places in the world where the gospel has never gone. Now here, you know, in Holland and West Michigan, there are people who haven't heard the gospel for sure. And we need to have our antenna up and and be ready and willing to share. And let's mm-hmm. do that. Let's do that. Let's cross the street because across the street, there's probably a person that, that doesn't understand the gospel. They think it's about trying harder. So that's so important. Or they think it's about religion, you know, yeah. I mean, which is trying harder, right? Yeah. You know, I'm not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not contradicting what you're saying. I'm just saying there are a lot of, you know, people who have heard about Jesus, but have don't have a clear understanding of what a relationship with him looks like. Yeah. And all that said, you know, let's do this. I want to do this because there are people around me who don't know the gospel, Mm -hmm. but there are places in the world and you probably know this. I know you know this, Shauna, there are places in the world where there's nobody across the street that knows Jesus. There's nobody that's going to be able to cross the street and tell the person who's, not heard the gospel about the gospel. Mm -hmm. They are gospel-less places, places where it's always winter, but never Christmas. And so I come back to my question, what risk, you know, in light of that, is Jesus asking me to take for his kingdom? And, And I just say, Lord, here am I, send me, I'm available. I don't know if I got what it takes to go one of, to one of those far flung places, but here am I, I'm available. And, you know, gosh, if this resonates in your heart, you know, thinking of places where it's always winter, but never Christmas and where people don't have access to the gospel, there are some great mission communities that you could connect with. You could go to Urbana. Urbana is, is this massive missions conference. It's coming up over the, over the Christmas break. I think it's over the new year's weekend. You could check out, you know, Pioneers is a mission community that's amazing about training us to go to places that are always winter but never Christmas. Frontiers, I know personally, the the IMB, YWAM, these are all places that are just dedicated and committed and able to train us to go into some of these places. So... 
let's not neglect the person across the street that's never heard the gospel, but let's be thinking about those people where, you know, they're in places where it's always winter, but never Christmas. Yeah, both and. Yeah. And so, I don't know about you, but my prayer is, and I don't know if I have what it takes. I, I don't think I do. I'm unqualified, but God qualifies me and you. Here I am, Lord. Send me. It's Christmas time and everywhere you go, you're going to see signs and, and words that say peace on earth, peace on earth to him on whom his favor rests. And this verse, Luke 2, verse 14, there's some many scholars that have weighed in on it and had some different opinions about it. Let me tell you this. Everybody agrees that Jesus came to earth for everyone. And the good news is for everyone everywhere. As proclaimed in Luke 2, the angel appeared to the shepherds who were watching over their flocks at night and told them that he had good news that would cause great joy for all the people. All the people, the Savior had been born that very same day. And then a whole bunch of angels appeared. They were praising God. Some texts say, you know, it's an army of angels, a host of angels, you know, a lot of them. I picture a choir. I don't know why I picture a choir, you know, all in white robes with little gold tinsel halos. I don't picture that. (laughs) I picture flames of light. Ooh, I like that. That's much more, you know inspiring well i'm here for you <laughs> mine are children too the angels are children <laughs> little cherubs. yeah little cherubs in the image but actually the text doesn't say they're singing at all which is kind of funny the text says that they're praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests peace on earth to those not all men everywhere, but to those on whom his favor rests. So yeah, the good news that's going to cause great joy is for all the people. But the peace on earth is for the people who receive Jesus. It's for those on whom his favor rests. We all have the opportunity to respond to the good news, but not everyone will respond to the good news. The good news for those who do is that you get to experience peace, peace for all eternity, peace with God. Oh my goodness, we talked about this yesterday. Reconciliation. We know that we've sinned against God. We know it intuitively. We know it. Even if you've never heard the gospel story, there is something in your in your spirit, in your soul that just doesn't feel right. When you hear who Jesus is and what he did and that he paid the price for our sins, it's like it clicks inside of you. Like, I know I need a savior. And now I know that that savior is Jesus and I can be saved So when we respond then to the good news of Jesus, that's for everyone, everywhere, we have the opportunity to experience peace with God. We have the experience, the opportunity to experience peace for all eternity, but also peace on earth. That's where the peace on earth comes from. We know the whole earth isn't experiencing peace. There are wars going on right now as we speak, all kinds of adversity and and peace not being experienced on earth. But for those who say yes to Jesus, we can experience peace on earth. And I saw this happen in such an incredible way. Like literally before my eyes, I saw the peace of Christ fall. Let me tell you what happened. I was chatting with a friend who had carried an incredible amount of guilt. She had lost her husband a year before and she was his primary caregiver, as so many are. I mean, this is a familiar story. She was responsible for 
everything for administering his meds, for caring for, you know, him and his weakness and all the things. Well, after he passed away, she carried this guilt that maybe she had done something wrong. She's not a nurse. She's not medically trained. She was just doing the best that she could with the instructions that she'd been given. And somehow the message made its way into her heart that she was responsible for his death at the end. Truth, truth is, she was responsible for keeping him alive. She was the one who was caring for him. She was the one who was providing everything he needed. And his body just was failing. And so, yeah, it was not her fault that this happened. But she carried this guilt for a full year. We're coming up on the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of his death. So this was like, I don't know, six years ago or something when this happened. But she shared this story with me and I just listened and I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me not to interrupt her, but to just let her keep talking. So even when she would finish a phrase or she would stop and there would be quiet, I wanted in the natural to say something that was going to make her feel better, to comfort her, you know, to point her to scripture or something. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, mm-mm, mm-mm, just listen. So I did. And with the space that she was given then, she just kept sharing and sharing and sharing. And I think every time she did, it got a little deeper and it got a little more raw and it got a little more, you know, to the heart of things. And when I felt like everything had been said that needed to be said, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know, let me talk to her now. And so I was like, okay, you know, God just heard everything that you just said. Is it okay if we just sit in the quiet and let him respond? And she said, Yeah, so we did. And I felt, again, we both bowed our heads and closed our eyes, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, open up your eyes and just watch what I'm about to do. And I was like, okay. So she was super tense, like everything. Her muscles in her face were tense. Her hands were clenched into fists. You know, she was white knuckling and just, you know, just uh, all the anxiety, all the guilt, all the everything, just feeling it deeply. And as we just sat, I sat in quiet, but she was receiving from the Lord. I watched her demeanor change in front of me and she just started to relax, you know, her face, her shoulders, her hands, like everything just got released from her. And she let out kind of a sigh and then she opened up her eyes and I said, what just happened? And she said, God gave me peace. God gave me peace. And that's a miracle. When God's presence comes on us, God's presence is in us, of course, as believers. But when we experience the palpable presence of God, I don't always experience the palpable presence of God. But when when I do, it's such a gift and it's a miracle. And she experienced it. And it's it's something you can experience because we have a living God. There is a living God who can do what you're saying. Yeah, we can experience peace on earth. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when you encounter Jesus, when you experience Jesus, you're going to get peace. You're going to experience peace. So my prayer for you this Christmas is that you do experience Jesus, that you respond to the good news with faith, and that you receive peace on earth. Well, there are places in the world where it's always winter, but never Christmas. And the only way we're going to see the kingdom break into these places 
is if we have God so loved the world beating hard in our chests. Vlad and Anton have that, and I want to be like them. Vlad and Anton are followers of Jesus in Muslim Central Asia. God's love compels them to ride their two-seater bicycle from town to town, showing the Jesus film with Muslims. Muslims from a nearby town had heard about what they were doing and asked them to come and show the film. This was amazing. They'd never been asked by Muslims to show the film. So early one morning, they started their ride to this town. You got to picture this. Vlad sat on the rear seat of the bicycle holding the film equipment. Oh, wow. They came to a narrow bridge. Anton didn't see the car coming. When he did, he swerved, throwing them off the bridge into the water. Shaken but not injured, they lifted the film equipment out of the canal. Water gushed out of it. This was not good. But Vlad and Anton had to keep going. Muslims were waiting to see the film. Lord, please help. Have you ever fired off one of those prayers? I do a lot. Lord, please help. Still soaking wet, Vlad and Anton got back on the road, worrying about the equipment but trying to trust God. When they made it to the meeting place, at least 50 Muslims had come, hungry to watch a film about the great prophet Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah. Water was still draining from their equipment as they set it up. When they plugged it in to the 220-volt outlet, they braced themselves for the current to fry the equipment. They plugged it in. No smoke, no sparks. Instead, the equipment came to life as though the water was never there. They pressed play. All 50 watched the film, moved by the greatest story ever told, his plan to rescue them from their sins. They felt his love, experienced his miracles. They heard his words for the first time, for the first time in a language they understood, and they marveled. The Holy Spirit witnessed to their hearts that it was all true. And at the end, 11 Muslims decided to follow Jesus. And what gets me is that these people had heard it for the first time. You know, I've heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So it's hard for me to imagine hearing it for the first time. And and when people hear it for the first time, it's it's like... It just blows them away. It's, it is. It's the greatest story ever told. I think there is a part of it, too, that feels just too good to be true. We know we need rescuing. We know we need saving. And just the fact that there's a real Savior that was willing to do something that he did not have to do. He willingly laid down his life mm. so that we wouldn't have to lay down ours, so that it, you know we wouldn't go through the punishment that we deserve. It's, it is t- the kind of story that seems like it is too good to be true, but when you realize, yeah. but it's still true. You know, we need forgiveness. And when it comes to forgiveness, whether we're religious or we're irreligious, what have you, we know that there's something, there's something not right. And we, we know that there's shame in us and there's guilt in us. And, and we have this intuitive sense that we need to be forgiven. And and you're either trying to pay off your own sins or we can accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers. What are the ways that we try to pay off our own sins? It's, you know, through likes on social media. It's through our appearance. It's mm-hmm. through our job success. It's through, you know, just getting 
accomplishments and, and getting kudos from people, having that successful career, being respected in your family. These are all ways that we can be trying to, to get the verdict, to get the sense that we're forgiven, that Mm -hmm. we're okay. So we're either, you're either trying to pay off your own sins or you can let Jesus pay it off. And freedom only comes when we let Jesus pay for, for our sins, which is what he did at the cross. But in terms of, of people who, you know, have never heard the gospel and, and, and they need to hear it for the first time. I just think of this simple prayer. It comes to my mind right now, Lord, let God so love the world beat in our chests so much more so that in our generation, there will be no place left where it's always winter and never Christmas. So Monday night, I had a really hard time falling asleep. I don't know what the deal was, but yeah, I go to bed at 8.30 at night, which is totally normal for me. And usually by eight o'clock, my body's going, it's time. And I start unwinding and my head hits the pillow and I just fall right asleep. But this was not the case on Monday night. So I'm laying there awake and I'm like, ah, I really need to go to sleep right now. I eventually did fall asleep. And then I woke up at 1.38 a.m., And I could not go back to sleep, no matter how hard I tried. I prayed, you know, I did the normal things and I just was not, yeah, wasn't falling back asleep. So I laid awake for a couple of hours. I mean, the last time I looked at the clock was like 3.34 a.m. And then for 26 minutes before my alarm woke me up at 4 a.m., I had the worst anxiety dreams. Anxiety dreams are the worst. You know what I mean? Yep. You have anxiety dreams? I do. I did. And I do. I mean, I don't like all the time, but anyway, this was definitely in that category. The first stream, I missed work. It wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't like I overslept and then came in late or whatever. I just missed the whole day. I thought we had the day off. We didn't have the day off. I didn't show up and it was just all the stress about work. Right. And then there was another dream in that short little period too, where my kids were little, I was at home, but it wasn't actually my home and my kids were tiny and the house was a mess and I couldn't walk through any room because the floor was just covered with toys and stuff. And it was a big house and I didn't know where everybody was. And I was stressed about watching them and taking care of things. And then I had other people's kids I needed to take care of too. And there was a baby that was, I don't know, maybe like nine months old, old enough to pull yourself up on stuff, but not old enough to walk around, you know, and the baby had pulled himself up on the toilet and was leaning over, like in reaching into the toilet. And I thought that little thing, you know, at that age, your head is like three quarters of your weight, right? I thought if he, he's going to fall into the toilet and he's going to drown. And it was just (sighs) constant stress. So I woke up feeling like I was failing. The day hadn't even started. I hadn't even got out of bed yet. And I felt like I'm failing at everything. I'm failing at work. I'm failing at home. I'm failing with others. It was all the things. Stress, major stress. And I could connect it to some things that were, you know, going on in my life at home, at work with others, that sort of thing. But I figured these anxiety dreams were an opportunity for me to trust in God. They were kind of like trigger. The dream itself was like the trigger getting my attention to say, Hey, have you brought this before the Lord? Have you done what scripture tells you to do when you feel anxious? And I was reminded of Philippians four, six and seven. It says, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I needed to sit with the Lord and just get super honest with him and be like, all right, I want to pretend like I've got it all together. Like I've got it all under control and everything's going to be fine. But the truth of the matter is I'm stressed. Yesterday, our family had something really hard happen. It was very disrupting and it just felt, it felt dark, Mm. you know? So this happened in our, in our family and it just really uh, stressed me out for the day, obviously. Mm. And so I went home and had date night with Teresa and we were on our way home from, guess what? Zoop. (laughs) We're on our way home from there. And Teresa puts on this song from Stephanie Gretzinger. I will cast all my cares on you. Mm. And when I don't, and when I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares on you. And that's what I needed to hear. That's it right there. I mean, that is it. That's the invitation to a Philippians four, six and seven is, you know, with the stuff that's stressing us out, this is for me. This is for Perry. This is for you. When you feel anxious, talk to God about it and tell him what's going on in your heart. Be raw, be honest with him about it. Tell him what you need, you know, ask him for what you need and then trust that he is good for his promises. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.